Oh boy, this is a good one today. It's so good. Today's guest is a leader, coach, an author, a speaker, and somebody who knows how to overcome. She's a certified coach. Today's guest is an expert seller, a sales manager in our business, a director of sales, and she has influenced account executives, sales leaders, and many women in a variety of pursuits. Now, listen to this. She believes that trials and setbacks are the secret, the secret weapons, in fact, towards achieving success and becoming the best version of yourself. Now, if that doesn't sound like exactly the kind of individual we'd like to talk to on our podcast, you haven't been listening very long. Welcome to the Encouragers, the Radio Rally podcast on Apple, Audible, Spotify, or almost anywhere you get your podcast. And always, you can always remember this, you can get individual episodes at RainmakerPathway.com. Look for our special section. Uh, it's our blog section. It's free. It's easy to get all the information that you need there. Our goal always remains, no matter how you get the podcast, to encourage radio pros at all levels. If you're a regular listener of this podcast, you already know that we have a fresh weekly episode featuring a radio pro that's active in our business each Sunday. This isn't about the past. It's not about talking about what radio used to be. We're all about discovering what's working today, right now. To enjoy our podcast, you only have to be interested in others, be open to encouragement, advice, connections, tools to get ahead and ways to make your radio career more profitable and successful. Listen, each week, I have an opportunity uh, for you to see a snapshot of an individual in our business. It allows you and I to see radio from a different perspective. It's so cool. A different career arc than maybe yours or mine. We'll be able to hear how they're embracing radio right now. My name is Lloyd Ford, like Lloyd's London Ford Automobiles. I'm with Rainmaker Pathway Consulting Works, or RPC, we call ourselves. Every single person in radio, they know this, it's been around for a long time. Every programming consultant in our business focuses on music, talent, coaching, marketing, and those programming elements that are important to improve local radio brands, except one consultant. The one exception works on music, talent coaching, marketing, and all those programming elements known to improve local radio brands. We also help local radio owners and managers leverage those improvements for more sales, bigger revenue growth. In addition to our on-air talent coaching, we also help local owners and managers with the talent they worry about the most, their sales team. Even our name means Pathway to Money, Rainmaker Pathway Consulting Works. When we go to work with local radio clients and they follow our collaborative process, their revenue and their profit margin rises because that's what we focus on. Ideas are the new technology. Where do your ideas come from? Do you have enough ideas to intrigue the clients you really want in 2024? Are your local radio stations really programmed, updated, and positioned to collect the most revenue in today's market. Do you need better sales recruitment? We can help you. Schedule a meetup by email now. First consultation is free and always confidential. 
F-O-R-D at RainmakerPathway.com. We're less than one minute from welcoming Angelina Rosario. She is the director of sales, Cox Media Group, Miami, Florida. Now, that's a big job. A big thank you to Joe Kelly for producing the Encouragers, the Radio Rally podcast. Thanks to JustJoeProductions.com for creating our audio footprint and distributing our podcast. Listen, I want you to see what you, your sales manager, your individual sellers, programmers, and personalities can get for free from our website regularly on our free blog section. So easy. Just go there. You'll find uh, over a thousand articles of encouragement and more coming each week. Plus, this also includes encouraging sales success series and more than live and local series. Now, let's turn our attention to our guest. Angelina, welcome to the Encouragers, the Radio Rally podcast. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm excited to be here, Lloyd. Thank you for having me. Oh, I'm so excited because you are a multi-dimensional character. And I'm gonna I'm gonna prove it in this episode <laughs> because there's so many different parts, so many things you're doing. I don't know how you do it all, but I'm gonna start here. You grew up in Miami, didn't you? I did. I did. I was actually raised what I call an underprivileged area. Uh, if anyone knows, like Alapata, Liberty City neighborhood, where my mom and my two sisters, we were raised there. So it wasn't the easiest path, but it definitely taught me a lot and made me into the woman I am today. I think that you just said single mom. Right. I sure did. I sure did. Mm, that's a tough road. And tell us about Liberty City. Just kind of give us a little uh, a little overview. OK, uh, so at least when I was there, we lived in a single family apartment. I mean, a, a one bedroom apartment. And imagine just like hiding many nights just because you hear gunshots. There were drug dealers like in every in every corner. So you had to have grit, resilience, courage to be able to wake up every day and do life there. And I was fortunate uh, to have, I call it an angel come into our life around when I think I was like 12 years old. My mom was getting her GED and this woman just took us in and bought a home for us and took us out of the neighborhood. But, let, you know, when I look back at that, I'm thinking, wow, I wouldn't be the leader because I have. I trust my instincts. Everyone tells you, like, Angelina has strong instincts. Go to her for it. You know, if you don't know which way to go, she you can tap into her instincts. And it definitely has to do with the fact that I was raised in that neighborhood. And I had to watch my back. And I had to, you know, read the environment, read people to be able to survive. Yeah, to, just to survive there, you've got to have good instincts, right? Correct, correct. I mean, you just have to react fast and be able to know if someone was up to no good or, you know, which happened a couple of times I had to run. <laughs> so, mm. but again, you know, I mean, I think growing up, I had a, a little bit of a chip on my shoulder, just looking at, you know, some of the shows on TV. I'm like, how come I didn't get that type of family? But now looking, right. you know, looking now and where I am in life, I'm like, no, I wouldn't change not one thing, not one single thing from my childhood. You know, everybody is so different and and you were chosen for this path. Listen, I love to talk to people in radio about what things were like for them before radio for them, right? So this is really about you as a radio listener before you were in radio. 
What was your first experience with radio before you were involved in working for radio? The first thing that comes into my mind is when I won the LL Cool J tickets. I had a friend and I were listening to a top 40 station. It was one of my favorite stations growing up. And we were calling in as teenagers. <laughs> and it just so happened. I was a huge fan of LL. And I've never been to a concert in the American Arena. It was called American Arena back when. Mm-hmm. And we win tickets. And it was like the first experience. You go and pick up the tickets at the radio station. Everything just seems so big. And it was just, this is why I treat my listeners now when they pick up tickets, I treat them as like golden. Because I know that experience when I first won tickets and it was the radio station who would have thought that I, you know, we will be able to win these tickets, go to the concert, and I'll never forget it. I'll never forget it to this day because it was my first experience. And it's all because of this uh, radio station. Listening to you talk, and I'm thinking about my own history. And the first time I won tickets to see somebody I really loved, you know, and what you are is just wide eyed, you know, it's like you're having this totally (laughs) immersive experience. Now, you know, before we go any further, I got to ask, did you meet LL Cool J then? And have you met him since? I did not meet him there, but I did run into him in South Beach. I think I was 14 or 15 years old. <laughs> Law of attraction, right? I think I was so infatuated by him. I was like, okay, walking on Lincoln Road, and I hear El Coojie's voice. I knew I did, and I was with my group of my friends, and I'm like, I think I heard El Coojie. They thought I was crazy. I was like, no, 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 that was El Coojie. And I run back. I tap him on the shoulder. I'm like, this is the question of a typical 14-year-old. I'm like, are you El Kuje? Yeah, right. <laughs> He's like, wow. yes, I am. And he just well, gave I me a hug. Got a picture. We didn't have this type of cell phones. I didn't even know if I had, I think I had a beeper, maybe. Right. <laughs> we didn't have that. Now, you know that younger people right now are going, beeper? What's a beeper? <laughs> All right. So let's talk about Barry University. What was your college experience like and what did you get from that experience? Oh, you know, it was a very different experience for me just because of my 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 childhood. I didn't have much, so I still had to work two jobs. I had to juggle a lot. So it wasn't your typical college life. So I didn't get to experience the dorms and hanging out with friends and the parties. And so a little jealous of that. Uh, so my experience was just getting my work done and going to work. So unfortunately, I don't have a lot of college experience there because it wasn't my typical, uh, you know, what I hear when I hear stories, I'm like, oh, I, I would love to live vicariously through you. Uh, but I, I, I was doing a lot just trying to make ends meet. You're just trying to stay in college, right? <laughs> I was just trying to survive, trying to get my degree, trying to figure out life. And again, you know, I, there was no mom or dad in my life. My mother was in my life, but not as a typical mother would be. And so I, I had to fend for myself. Mm. So I was just okay. trying to work, go to school and figure it out as I was going. All right. So listen, you get out of college and at some point you ended up being an account executive. Somebody hired you, Fox Media Group. What attracted you to the radio business and who recruited you at Cox Media? So I was always interested in the entertainment business from day one. So I always say, pay attention to young kids and what they gravitate to. 
So entertainment's been in my blood for a very long time. Now, radio just so happens I was planning to uh, leave South Florida and go back to L.A. I was living in L.A. back and forth about two or three years. And I'm at church. I'm late to church. And there was this woman standing next to me that just started having a conversation with me. And she was like, so what do you do? And I'm like, well, I have a nonprofit organization, but we're in recession. I'm thinking about going back to L.A. She's like, well, give me a call. I'm like, okay. So gave her a call. Hmm. And she was like, do you know? And she mentioned her name. She works for Cox Media Group. She's an account manager. At the time, I thought it was like a manager, right? Account manager. I didn't know she was an AE. You know, you should really meet with her. And I said, okay. So I met with with her. We had a good conversation. And I've always been in sales, but for whatever reason, I was trying to shy away from sales. And she was like, you should really go into sales. And I was like, oh, I don't know if I want to go back into sales. Especially the way she she told me the story of her first sale. It just sounded very much as a old car salesperson selling cars. I was like, oh, I don't think yeah. I want to go on this path. So yeah. gave me a tour around Cox Media Group and I met some phenomenal people, but it was this one specific gentleman, John Lynch. He was okay. full of personality, charismatic, just fun. And he's like, young lady, what are you doing here? And so I told him, he's like, he gives me a, a business card. He's like, actually, I think we're looking for a rookie. You should give me a call. And I did, but it did take me four months. It wasn't easy. Um, mm. Because there were at the time, radio has changed so much. But at the time, you know, no one really left radio, and they were there for a very long time. So there was a lot of veterans. It was a well-known station. At, at, it was ninety-seven point three, the coast. But I was persistent. I think I called every single day about two or three times. <laughs> so, really? I tired of me. I yes, I called two or three times. I'm like, hi, it's me again. And so. You know, he, he connected me with his local sales manager, Tony Yip, and we just had a really good conversation and they hired me. Do you think that they eventually just had a meeting about Angelina? So like, this is a problem. We got we to gotta hire this person, right? <laughs> well, they were hiring an AE. Uh, at the time, I didn't know this, but I guess I was following the don't give up process. So yes. I was, you know, they were like, maybe she would probably be a really good AE. I just knew inside, I, you know, something I'm not as persistent, but some, when I'm convicted with something, I feel that inner wisdom guiding me, I followed through all the way, no matter how hard it is. And I just knew that I was supposed to be in radio at that point in my life. And so I, I didn't know. give up and they accepted me. Now, wait up here. I, I've got to ask this question. And I often will ask this of sellers and sales managers, because it's just such an attractive question. Angelina, are, were you always good at sales? Are you good at sales? Is sales something that's easy to you? It is easy to me. I didn't know I was good in sales because the word sales itself you know, makes you want to run away. But now that I understand what sales is, which is basically helping someone else mm. to grow their, grow their business or grow themselves, whatever that looks like. For the person, yes, innately, I'm really good at sales. It comes very, very natural to me. You know, it's so different, right, from when you transfer over this image in your head of the slick car salesman that's just trying to get you to bite down on the car 
to being mm-hmm. someone who's consultative, who's trying to figure out what the problem that a person is having and help them fix it. It's a total transformation, isn't it? It is. You know, if you're about serving, I, and that's what I tell my sales team every day, it's about serving. We're not here for us. You know, it by default, it does help us, right? It gives us the lifestyle that we want to be able to provide for others. But really what we're doing every single day is being servants. That's right. All right. So listen, 2013, you became the local sales manager. I mean, Angelina, you're doing good here. What attracted you to sales management and who promoted you there? Who just said, you know, this girl, we got to put her in charge. I have a saying that when you become really great at what you do, you get promoted if that's what you aspire to do. So I had just one president circle two years in a row. And I felt a little itch. I'm like, I want more, but not quite sure what that is. Mm-hmm. And so there was some, you know, there was some transitioning happening within our company, with our market, what I would say. And we had a new GM come in, Dan Kearney. The way the universe will have it, he didn't know anybody in our cluster. So he felt like he would meet with all the sales managers and they just put everyone's name up and he wanted to know who brought in the most new business. It was me. And he was like, well, who is this girl? I want to meet her. What I didn't know is that he was going to, uh, I guess you could say downsize, but he was looking for a new, a new local sales manager. And mm-hmm. he asked me to go for the job. And this is just my spiritual belief. I just felt like I needed to pray about it. I just didn't know if that was the right move. I've, I've never been the one to chase after titles. I want to make sure that this is a job that I, I want to go into because with every role, there's good and bad, right? And I want to be able bet. to be able to withstand whatever challenges come my way because I knew I was convicted that this is the role that I was supposed to go into. So I did. I actually said yes after I told him, give me a couple of days. There was about 25 people that applied from different markets. So there was fear that came up for me as well. Yeah, I don't have the experience. Can I do the mm. job? And so all those different things, I guess, different emotions came up for me. And I just followed through with my intuition. And Dan Kearney uh, said he did the best when it came to the interviews. We want to promote you. And that's how I became a local sales manager. Let's do the scary thing, right? How do you become the person with who's bringing in the most new business? Like, is, th- is there a secret to that? What is the secret? Oh, I wish, you know, it, it's a don't give up attitude and grit. I, I share this with all my new rookies. I tell my team, things have changed for sure. They're, you know, a lot more things have evolved. I think it's easier. I know it sounds crazy, but they have so much more resources. But at least for me, I just had a number in my head that I wouldn't stop until I had it. So for me, each day I needed to have two meetings. So I wouldn't stop. Some days ended earlier. Some days were really, really late. I wouldn't stop. So I think that grit is what I had. I still do. And that I, I just call it the compound effect. You you will close business if you have a determined mind and say, okay, this is how many new calls I need to make. This is how many emails I need to do. These are many stop-ins I need to do. And by the end of the week, I need to have eight new meetings. I need to have two presentations. And so I, I followed that formula for myself and yeah. so it worked. And well, I, it, there wasn't no list given to me. So also I didn't have a choice. 
Oh my God. Right. So you had to make your own list, but you're the perfect person for that because I'm going to go back to your college years. You know, you're not out partying and doing your thing. What are you doing? Your party is you got two jobs trying to float your thing. So of course you're willing to go the distance to get that new business in. It's such an inspiring, like if you really give into this thought of doing it by the numbers. I'm going to make the numbers appear. And if I make the right numbers and the right categories appear, I will be successful. You are excelling in sales and sales management at that point. But now we're going to take a, I don't know if you consider this to be a left turn or not. What inspired you to become an actual coach? Great question. I wanted to become a better leader. So I knew I'm, I'm, a, I'm a student at heart. I, if you catch me, I'm reading every single day. I'm listening to podcasts. I'm listening to YouTube. I yearn to become better each and every day. And so I learned about this program, IPEC, and the IPEC teach about intuition. And I wanted to dive a little deeper into that to ask better questions. Because as managers, we feel like we have all the answers for our team. You do this. And you get this right, and so I felt I I felt that for me at least in my career the best answers was always when I went deep within and figured if that was the right decision for me the right move. So nice. I went, got certified, and taught the seven different energies uh, of leadership, and mm-hmm. so it's one through seven, and taught, it showed me when somebody was in a victim mode, when somebody was defensive, when somebody was in the urge of just not really caring, they can go either way. Uh, it also showed me when they were a giver a little too much to the point that if they got exhausted, they would blame everyone else why they couldn't get things done. It, it taught me in the level five is where I try to keep our team majority of the time, which is a win-win. And I didn't have that under my belt at the time. I, I was, Cox has been really great to me and they taught me many things about uh, management but I knew I wanted to become a better leader and I wanted to step outside of CMG to get my certification. And I took it into our, into our uh, organization has been life-changing for me. I always love it when I see somebody like, you know, I mean, look, uh, it's, it's been a minute since people were enamored and talking about Tom Brady, but he's still one of the greats of all time. Oh, yes. Uh, well, a lot of people don't know this. He hired an elbow coach. In the oh. last four or five years of his of his NFL career, and that guy, he did thousands of reps, and that elbow coach just focused on his elbow, wow, so that he could throw passes the way he did when he was much younger. You see somebody doing this kind of stuff where you know you're getting all of this training from Cox Media, which is a great company. But then you're going outside and figuring out how to be a coach and how to do it better. I mean, when I see that, it's it always says to me, winner, winner, winner. Check this Thank out. You. you become the general sales manager at Cox Media in Miami 2015. Were you surprised to get promoted or does this just naturally happen for you? Uh, you seem to have some really good gifts that line up well with managing well? Yes. Uh, Well, I was surprised because in the midst of an LSM 
and a GSM. I was diagnosed with a tumor, a size of a mm. baseball, and I was in and out of the hospital for for a while. And so I didn't think the general sales manager position, well, actually that was the DOS position. So the GSM position, yes, I was surprised too. <laughs> I uh-huh, was surprised. Uh-huh. Uh, but I, I would tell you that because I'm, again, I'm not one to chase after titles. And so I was really good in becoming great in my current position. So when they came to me, this is now Ralph Renzi coming into Cox Media Group Miami. And he's the director of sales. So he's evaluating who he wants to bring as a GSM. Again, you know, something that I constantly work on is making sure that I'm not comparing myself with anyone else. Because I was comparing myself with a, a couple of um, the candidates there. And I felt like, oh, I don't know. I don't think I have what it takes. And then I have to fight against them. I'm like, no, I'm really great at what I'm doing. And so they're like, you're already doing the job. I've always said also when I was always in a role, I, I was always, uh, I guess, intrigued by just learning what the next role looks like. So I just started doing the job, not expecting to become it, just because I wanted to learn exactly what do they do and how do I do it now and how can I start playing around with those tools and so I was surprised but after I have to say that I was uh, definitely ready for the role I was definitely mm-hmm. ready for the role so that there's nothing two different things I think some people go for the role not necessarily being ready for it yet so you know look every time you plateau up you know you go to a different level uh, you have to learn more. And and it seems to me that you're always trying to figure out the path and how can I be better and how can I learn how to do the job above me, maybe, or or however you look at it. In your opinion, what makes a great sales manager, especially in the radio business today? Oh, great question. Another great question. Okay, so I do believe being authentic, you have to be you. You have to show up. People can read when someone is not being themselves or campaigning to, you know, just to become, you know, to get a higher title. Uh, you have to be able to adapt. Things are moving so much quicker in today's world. Yes. And if you get rigid and fixing your own ways, you're just going to get in your own way. And so, and you're going to get left behind, as I tell my team every single day. And you have to be courageous. Artificial intelligence is here. You have to be courageous enough to go in there and say, you know, I'm going to play again, play around with these different tools and, and see how can it make my job a lot more efficient. And so if I, again, those three things came up when you first asked me that question. So I think you have to be authentic, you have to be able to adapt, and you have to be courageous to try the new ways of, of what radio looks like today, right? Try those new This is new all great advice. You know, I always think when I think of that rigidity, you know, if you want to be rigid, that is the fastest track to aging yourself out, right? Oh my goodness, yes. All right. So listen, yes. even though you have this great expertise in sales, you have a great career in sales that you've illustrated across time, you're really good at, you have these other adventures that are really amazing. I want to talk about those for just a few minutes. You have a nonprofit focused on helping underprivileged children pursue a career in dance. How did that begin for you? Yes. Well, I don't have it anymore right now, but I can tell you that I, when I did have it, this is right before I went into Cox. I am a dancer, so I've always wanted to dance professionally. 
because I was in an underprivileged area with my mother who didn't have much funds to afford that type of curriculum, I had I didn't get to do the I guess if I look at my nieces now, you know, a parent being able to take their child to dance class. So when I became at age was, I think it was like 18, 19, I decided to open a dance school for underprivileged kids where I can help them and when they're if they're in these type of situations that I can help them out and bring them into these programs and help them make their dream come true. So and you did this at 18 years old, right? At 18, correct. Oh, girlfriend. <laughs> yes. All right. So, so listen, I'm going to be very careful the next couple of questions here. Okay. Okay. This is not, this is not about the book. Have you always had an interest in writing? I did. So, you know, again, it's, it's just like paying attention to what you gravitate to. So when I had the, the dance school, I also created a play with the students and I, I, I wrote the whole play. And mm-hmm. so I journal a lot. I find myself writing a lot more than what, I mean, again, I wasn't, I just, it became natural to me. It was so natural. I didn't put much thought into it. Mm-hmm. So writing, I've always had an interest in writing. Yes. <laughs> Wait, you still do this journaling today? I do. It's, um, I actually, during my health journey, I created the five by five success habit. And one of them that I truly believe in is journaling. You should either be using it for gratitude if you use it just as a, you know, just as ideas, don't keep anything in your brain, just put it down because you will forget. If it's mm. a session that you need, if you need to release your thoughts and you feel like you're suppressing your emotions, write them down. You know, it's interesting. Songwriters talk about that all the time. If you don't write it down, it, it's just going to slip away in the ether. I guess that works for everybody. And listen, we're going to get to that five by five business because I'm going to ask about that. But first, please tell us about Thank you for walking away. So, yes, my book, uh, it was in, in the four years when I was dealing with the tumor. Again, writing became very easy to me. It, it was just a journey in my adult years that it was beyond what I thought at the time I can um, handle. So uh, when I was diagnosed with a tumor right before that, I went through a breakup, which mm. You know, it was someone who just completely walked away at the time that I thought that we were going to be married. And so right after, I think a couple, I think a year after is when I got diagnosed with a tumor. So it was like back to back. And so I found myself writing just my, because again, you know, would have never became an LSM if I would have gone with my ex. So things happen the way they need to happen. So I found my way myself the way I dealt with my, with my health is really thinking about how much blessing I've had. And that thank goodness that he walked away. Thank goodness that these things are happening because in the midst of it, I'm finding myself. You know, it's one of those things where we always think when something bad happens, man, that's bad. Well, how do you know yes. it's bad? It's not over yet. Right. Correct. What is it? Um, yes. Was it, was it uh, Napoleon Hill that said, you know, um, temporary defeat, don't, what was this exact saying? But it, it's just like, don't get stuck in temporary defeat. You know, sometimes we throw in the towel, we go in thinking that life is over and we make these decisions at the moment. 
just because we feel so defeated. So I'm a and, firm believer. If you can stick it out, stick it out a little longer. Just yeah. And, and look, <laughs> we kind of all know intellectually that life ebbs and flows. There are ups and downs. Yeah. So I, I always tell my friends, I'm like, look, if something really bad is happening, you having a bad time right now? Let me tell you what that definitely means. Good times are yes, They're coming yes. because you will not stay where you are. Please share with us because we don't all, I mean, I think, look, I think everybody pretty much knows TEDx and being a TED speaker and all that. They they know from watching the videos, but uh, not you. You're different. You're a TED speaker. How did that develop? Oh, my goodness. Uh, I would say it was one of my life dreams. I, I did want to do it for a very long time. I got rejected once. <laughs> so I I just had this five by five success habit. I did hire a coach and uh, she walked me through the process because I, I really thought that you're supposed to like share all your accolades and tell them how much you've done. Actually, no, they don't like that. They're like the total opposite. They like someone who... It's just someone normal, I guess you can say, average Joe who's trying to make a major impact in the world. Right. And so for me, my storytelling of how I overcame my tumor was the reason why they selected me. And tell us, if you can, briefly what the five by five is. Yeah, so it's nothing new. I just... I simplified it because in the midst of my journal, I did a lot of research. I, I, I read a lot of articles, I testimonials. And, mm-hmm. and when I kept getting all this, I'm like, why is everything so complicated? Why is the jargon so complicated? And so I see why people shy away from it. And so it right. became where I just simplified. I'm like, oh, this is what it is. This is what successful people, it's not that they don't go through challenges because they do everyone. And usually the most successful people usually have the biggest challenges. It's that, you know, they found tools that helps them or assist them in overcoming them, the, the, I guess, the trouble time. So the first one is journaling, which we just mentioned. Uh, affirmations, being able to affirm positive, you know, statements to yourself when you're in the midst of hell, I call it. Visualization, having clear, vivid images of what the end result looks like so you can start creating these emotions that it's going to help you continue pushing through the pain. Um, inspiration prayer, whatever the, the person's comfortable with. You know, inspiration could be just positive quotes. Prayer could be praying to something higher than yourself. And then meditation. You know, and each tool is spending just five minutes with each. You may not need all five tools. I use all five every day just because I've seen work wonders in my life. But just depending how you're feeling, you know, you may feel like, like I mentioned journaling, you're suppressing emotions and you feel like you need to vent. Writing down your thoughts is going to help you release a lot of those negative emotions. So I think you need... Uh-huh. Go ahead. No, you can go ahead. Listen, listen, for people who go back and listen to different things again in our podcast, and we get that a lot, back and listen to that. She just described the perfect sales manager, right? Staying even, having that vision keeping your motivation right, uh, journaling so that you can see your progress, not as you think it is emotionally, but as it actually is. Lots of great things there. Listen, one of the most important skills for sales managers today is recruiting and retaining top sales talent. 
What are the keys to doing this well through all the challenges? You know what I'm saying, economic ups and downs, things like COVID. What's the key to doing it well? Well, I would say real world, because we are leaner than ever before, is being consistent. So I put it on my calendar for, I use LinkedIn Recruiter, and Mm -hmm. I put it in my calendar a minimum of three or four times a week where I, 20 minutes of my time, I just go scouting for new talent. And that's another thing. I I feel like your LinkedIn profile is very important because they want to know, who am I going to be working for? Who is this person? Mm-hmm. And so I found I found it to be very, very successful for me that I, again, if you can do it daily, please do it, not the minimum three times a week. And in regards to retaining top talent, culture, 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 culture. And I, <laughs> I, I'm a big believer in culture. I'm a big believer in having a big vision for your team. A players want to be around A players. My team knows I have very big goals. We're breaking down in chunks and you know i guess you can say smart right the acronym for smart and then we execute 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 and celebrate them radio one thing you know i don't like to go too much in the past but one thing i loved about radio is the fun part right you know everybody's like radio is fun and i feel Mm -hmm. just because of the changes we've lost a little bit of that fun so i make sure i bring it back and i celebrate them because they are doing a lot more they're not just doing radio they're doing digital they're doing podcasts there's so many um bells ringing that you, you to keep them excited about their job every single day and keep the eight players as well you know i guess keeping the momentum going is as a coach as i call myself a coach is also bringing those tools, like new tools for them to be able to use so they can continue being A players. Man, you show me somebody who understands creating a great culture. I will show you a leader every time. Here is a quote about you. Quote, Angelina is a, a truly passionate person for helping people, whether clients or members of the Cox Media Group family. Her natural ability to lead and motivate a room of sales professionals resonates with our entire management team. Angelina's evolution from top producing sales professional to local sales manager defines leading by example and has led to visible results. I love partnering with Angelina to maximize both our sales team's talents and our clients' businesses, unquote. So. What what do you love about working with top producing sellers or sellers in general? Um, the energy they bring to me, the enthusiasm. I, I have fun. I, I literally feel like I wake up every day and I have so much fun with my team. I, I, the top producers are always coming in with wanting to be coached. They have you know ideas they want to bounce off on you. They they want to win. And so what I love is that I get to wake up every day and make an impact in their life. And what they, I hope they don't, I share that with them all the time, but they make an impact in my life. So you leave your job feeling so fulfilled each and every day. And I, I feel like that's what my top producers do for me. I feel like there's so many things about you. I feel like you do a lot of things by strategy. You do a lot of planning. You do a lot of, uh, I bet, probably a vision board. I'm not sure. Uh, yep, you're uh, correct. <laughs> look, a- after being a general sales manager for almost five years, you were promoted again. Now you become the director of sales. And I want you to describe the difference between those two positions briefly. But 
Can you tell us the secret? Just share with us the secret to getting promoted in our business today, especially to those who want to work in sales management. Yes. Uh, well, the difference between the two general sales manager, you usually have about six direct reports. You're overseeing maybe two, three stations. Uh, and then director sales, you oversee the whole sales operation. So you don't only oversee AEs, you still oversee digital, you oversee the sales assistant. Anyone, anything related to sales is under you. So uh, the I would say secret. I you know the secret is discipline. I mean I think I've just been a very disciplined person in regards to what I want, how I'm going to get it done, and make no excuses. I I I'm I'm almost afraid for the younger generation just because of instant Mm -hmm. gratification and wanting things so quickly. I there there, because that's not how it works, right? No. it's a work ethic and no one knows, right? I, I wake up at 5 a.m. I, I probably go to sleep. And I, again, it's not for everyone, uh, but I, I go to sleep around 10, 11 sometimes. And it's work, work, work. So my workaholic, maybe, yep, that probably is me. Uh, so I put a lot of work into this. I'm very disciplined. I have strategies and, stru- and I guess you could say uh, a structure that I follow through. And I think another secret is that I don't go looking for the next, like my head is not, how do I become a GM? My, my head space, how do I become the best director of sales of Cox Media Group Miami? How do we become number one in the market? How do I grow my, and my media consultants? How do I fulfill their life so they can be the best that they can be? So I, I feel like if you're really good at what you do and stop staring so much at what the next gig is going to be and how long is it going to take. And and another thing, sticking it out, I got promoted during COVID. So oh, right. talking about. <laughs> oy, oy, oy. What, what do I do with this? Uh, no, so- whoa, 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 whoa. When you got promoted <laughs> during COVID, did you think, well, they really like me or wait a minute. <laughs> Is it set up? Bring this back. <laughs> oh well, you know, again, I I didn't know what I was doing at first. This is where I go back to all the other tools outside of CMG that has helped me out tremendously. Right. Because I was able to tap into these tools and say, okay, what would a coach do in this situation? Because I don't think anyone has figured this out. Everybody thought we were gonna be out two weeks and ended up years doing Zoom or Teams learning how to deal with those little screens and try to keep the culture going through screens. And so it was a challenge, but it, it probably is what helped us be, I mean, we, we've done a tremendous lot. CMG Miami um, outpaced the market last year, outpacing the market this year is only January. Uh, we, I mean, we continue doing a phenomenal job. And I think it's because of the, everything that we've been able to, to adjust, apply, doing the most challenging moment, which was for the team with COVID. Angelina, I, I feel like you've got some really talented people on your team. If I had to guess right now, what one of the main ingredients is to this overpowering success again and again and again. I think I know what it is. Okay. I think I'm talking to it. So listen, what is it that you want to do that hasn't happened yet? Is there such a thing? 
I mean, it, the younger generation, again, I, I'd say there's a lot of fear with the younger generation because of social media and their mindset. Sure. What I haven't done yet, I want to tap into the younger generation mindset. If I can get them where they're young and see how mindset plays into everything you want to do. And so, I, you know, they spend so much time on their screens that I feel that something else has taken over the way they think. They don't think for themselves anymore. You know, I, so, I think it's really interesting. Uh, a lot of people key on the fact that the 21st century began in 2001, or some people will say more correctly, 2001. But I say 2007 because of the iPhone and Facebook mm-hmm. and the oncoming tsunami of social and visual over everything else, or at least you would think that. Uh, I also say that the 21st century is not for the faint of heart. It's just not as friendly <laughs> as the. T- you remember the 20th century, how sweet it was? <laughs> so, so listen, I got to ask this. We ask our guest what I think might be the most interesting question. It's certainly interesting enough to where I think many people speculate, think about it all the time. Of course, we know that no one knows the future. We got all this AI stuff coming at us now. You know, everything is speeding up, as you say. But if you could bend radio to your own will and create the future for radio that you think it should have, what do you think you'd like local radio to become in the future? I I would say just because we've been having these conversations interesting enough, how do we make AI work for us on a local level? Too many of us, I feel, is fearing it. And, and AI, I don't know if it's going anywhere. So how do we take that and build more more effective, I guess, community is really big for us in Miami. Mm-hmm. And how do we take those type of tools to make our community efforts even better? Right. And so I feel, it, if I can bend this, I, I will feel that to get people to adapt quicker, to be honest, at least in our market, people are still shying away from AI. There's only a handful of us that are like, okay, what is this? And let's, let's make this work for us. They're afraid that their jobs are going to be taken. Mm-hmm. So you come back and you're saying, you know, back I look at the future. These are valuable people in our company that are needed, but their fear is going to keep them away from thinking out of the box because they're so afraid of, these, of AI that they, they, they're not no longer thinking creative. And they're not thinking of ways of how can we use these tools so then the next 10 years, we're even bigger in the community. So that, if I can bend the rules, it would be that for people to adapt a lot quicker so we can be in front of the future because it, it, it will change and things will continuously change for us. Things always change, right? So yeah, I, you're right. Look, I think of it like this, like, uh, okay, I've got this rock in my hand and I'm a soldier and my job is to beat my opponent with this rock. And then somebody invents a sword and you're like, yeah, I don't think I can use that sword. I think they're going to try to replace me with this sword. I don't know what to be. Please use the sword, right? It's just a new, it's a new tool, right? Correct. Correct. And which is what's probably stopping us right now, though. Future radio, bring it. Well, wait, wait, just like digital before, right? It's like, oh, I don't know about digital. 
you know, and then before that, maybe it was voice tracking. And before that, it was, I mean, we can just go back and back and back. And it's always something new. It's like, is it fear or is it excitement? You get to choose. Yeah. You're absolutely correct. Nicely said. Absolutely. What a joy it is to spend this time with you. I mean that. Thank you for spending your time with us today and being our guest. Thank you for having me. I really enjoyed our conversation. Really great questions too, Lloyd. I really enjoyed answering them. Well, please don't take for granted what we're doing here. Help us by sharing this episode of our podcast directly from our website. This is so easy. You go to our free blog section. You'll see it there along with Angelina's picture, of course. Uh, you can share it with others who really want to take advantage of this kind of education, this kind of, I don't know, mental spread, if you will. That's what we're doing is getting to know other people and how they're dealing with radio in our business today. Go to RainmakerPathway.com anytime you can get it there. Of course, this episode of the Encouragers, the Radio Rally podcast is designed like our other 150 plus that are already in our archive when you subscribe for free on your smartphone. Our are designed to encourage radio pros at all levels. We want to thank our very special guest today, Angelina Rosario. She is the director of sales at Cox Media Group in Miami. Who knows what she'll be doing next, but I guarantee you she's not chasing it. I, I tell you the common thing that I see about her, she's always looking for how do I add more value. A very special thank you to Joe Kelly for producing our podcast and JustJoeProductions.com for creating our audio footprint and distributing the Encouragers, the Radio Rally podcast. Please listen closely right now. We say this all the time on our podcast. I say it to clients regularly. Once you have a radio station, you can get anything else you want. If you want to know more about this philosophy and how it really works, call me or reach out to me in any way. It is my passion to tell you why local radio can be larger than most people think. And I absolutely love to prove it to clients. No one can stop you if you have great strategy, great process a commitment, and passionate execution. If you don't remember anything else from our podcast, remember this, be kinder than you have to be. Thank you for being a part of the Radio Rally with the Encouragers. Now, go make it a great week in local radio.